Welcome to the Confetti Project podcast, where we explore the beautiful mess of our inner lives through a newly defined lens of celebration. I'm your host, Yelena, and I'll be sharing my own story as I slow down and play with the question, what does it mean to be alive in the 21st century? The truth is, none of us are getting out of this alive. So this truly is a space you can check in, get curious, and honor yourself wherever you are as we reconnect to our aliveness. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening. For me, it's the morning. My neighbors across the street are doing this spontaneous construction, and it's been going on for the past two days from 8 in the morning to... 5 30 at night so i am doing this at a time i've never done it before 7 30 <laughs> and uh thanks for thanks for kicking it with me thanks for hanging out this is a little bit of a wild card episode it's not even a full episode it's i guess an addendum from the last episode love it 32 i just felt like it would be incomplete if i didn't include and explore the love of my friends. I wasn't able to get into that amidst talking about, you know, my childhood love, immigrant love, 20-something love, romantic love, self-love, all of those things. So this is going to be like a shorter 15-minute, I say that now, but no, I think it will be, I guess, kind of love letter to my friends and also the Confetti Project community, which I consider my friends as well. You know, I believe that you should tell people what they mean to you. I believe that when you're walking down the street and you come across someone and they're wearing something or saying something or emitting some sort of energy that makes something, that makes you feel something in whatever way, I think that you should, you should tell them. That literally happened to me last month when I was at a bookstore and I was wearing this white sequined ensemble that I'm wearing for a reel that's coming out today that's very sparkly. Anyway, so I'm like looking at some books and someone come up, comes up to me, tells me that they really love my shirt and asks me what the brand is. That pretty much catalyzes us talking for 15, 20 minutes about our families, where we're at in our life, what our dreams are. <laughs> and we're friends. Like we, we text all the time and we're going to hopefully see each other again soon. And it, it was, uh, that hasn't happened to me since before the pandemic. That is just a testament to if there's someone that's been inspiring you or, you know, you're going through your day today and someone, yeah, just gives you something that you didn't even expect, reciprocate it back in whatever way, just, just acknowledge it. I, I promise that beautiful, wild things can happen from it that you would least least expect. I want to really share what you mean to me, whether you're in my life personally or a part of the community of the Confetti Project, which they're both kind of the same thing. I think it's so important to talk about friendships because for me growing up, I wasn't allowed to date in high school. And... I mean, I kind of did, but it didn't really count, you know, and that allowed for me while my brain was still developing 
to really have this belief that friendship is more important than the romantic in the sense of, let me explain. So anyone that I would go on a date with or whatnot growing up in my 20s, I felt like it was really important to lay a foundation of friendship because, you know, ultimately you want to be best friends with the person. And that to me has more longevity than like infatuation or romance or whatnot. And so I think that friendship is the root of all relationships. Looking back on it, my friendships saved my life. I talk about this in the last episode, getting to the end of it, where it was this whole journey of starting to embrace myself, practice self-love, feeling like I couldn't really get my needs met with my family, especially after my dad died, and it being really fragmented ever since then. My friends have played such a pivotal role in me healing my complex PTSD. It was like a testing ground with them to practice all of these things that were really denied within my family. I remember growing up, I just wanted to be friends with everyone. The more friends I had, the more secure I felt and cool and validated. And I remember my father always telling me, if you have one real friend, like you're rich, that's a gift. And I was like, what do you mean, dad? I have like, I have like 50 friends. <laughs> now I get it though. I really do. Because for me in the past year, I've gotten more clear on who my closest friends are. The people that I can really be myself around. These friendships that I want to water. This might be surprising to some of you. It's still really hard for me to be vulnerable, even with my closest friends. You might be thinking, well, you're so open and vulnerable on this podcast and you're writing and the confetti project, but I want to make it clear that everything that I share is after the fact of me living it. It's not in the middle, in the stickiness, in the mud, in the extreme feeling of whatever is going on. It's usually after that, when I've had time where I can start to find the beauty and the meaning behind what the experience is, especially if it's intense and painful. And that's a big distinction, I think, coming out of something and being able to talk about it after you've done your own processing of it and can move move on, carry on, move forward, versus when you're in it and you feel really alone and you feel like a burden and you feel like there's something wrong with you maybe or you don't know what's going on you know, reaching out to someone to tell them when you're so raw and you're so vulnerable and you're so tender. That's new for me. Some of the most beautiful, vulnerable moments with friends was when my dad was dying. I remember one of my friends came into my room. This is the same bedroom in Brooklyn that where the beginning of the Confetti Project started. I just broke down and I started crying and she gave me literally her shoulder to cry on and I was just sobbing. That might have been one of the first times I've ever shown that to someone. And they held me. They held me in that space. It's hard because I've always felt this otherness. And again, I talk about that in the last episode, in the second episode, in regards to my mom. When you have a narcissistic parent or complex PTSD from your childhood, that's a that's one of the characteristics that, that can follow you for the rest of your life, feeling disconnected. 
isolating yourself. I remember another instance where I had just flown into Venice, California with another friend, a dear friend, and I got the worst headache of my life, probably a migraine, one of my first. We had just gone to the Airbnb and my friend, she, my head was in her lap. She was putting essential oils on my temple, asking if I needed, you know, something for it. And she was just stroking my hair and mothering me, which if you've listened to this podcast so far, that's big for me because I didn't really get a lot of mothering in my childhood in general. One of my really good friends is that I'm actually seeing in a few days, which I'm so excited about this. He is my English teacher from high school. And I'm just going to say it, Mr. Zelser, he was teaching us, you know, like the Beatles and Bob Marley as poetry and creative writing. And he was this really outspoken, progressive teacher that talked to us like we were people. And I found when I graduated from college, everything that he taught me was sinking in. Like I needed to have life experience to really understand it all. And I reached out to him. And yeah, that was many, many years ago. <laughs> and we're, we're friends. Like he's one of my dearest friends. And I just remember throughout my 20s, we would always meet up at a coffee shop. Like he would be, always be like a celebrity there, like all these students saying hi to him and people. He would give me space to talk about myself and everything that's going on with the confetti project and me and my dad and my family. And still it's hard for me to receive those things, but I'm trying. All my friends now are people that I consider to be sisters to me. I actually, for my birthday last year, this didn't end up happening, but I had planned to invite those people that I felt like were my sister my sister friends, my soul friends. I have always felt a gap with my siblings in the sense of I've always wanted to be really close with them, have that type of relationship where we're really enmeshed in each other's lives. And it just has never been the case. I thought that it would be really healing if I asked all my best friends to be my sisters, like in a more formal way, <laughs> to symbolize that I do have that love in my life, even if it's not from my blood-related siblings. You know, now it's, I've realized that when I'm going through something, I've said this before, my brain is really cluttered and it tends to overthink. I'm constantly trying to question it and not believe it when I don't have to, when the, when the inner critic and the self-doubt comes in. I realized it, it took me 32 years to realize this where when that's starting to happen, when my money story's coming up, that I'm going to lose everything and end up alone. And that's a big one for me. Or something is happening that is making me question myself and everything. I have begun to lean on my friends during that time. So I'll literally ask my friends, hey, I'm going through something right now and it's making me feel X, Y, Z. Can you help me challenge this thought? And I remember the first time I did it, it was with my partner and then another dear friend of mine. Instantly, and, and again, disclaimer, you know, saying, if you can hold space for this. And they both were able to instantly send me messages or voice notes or whatnot. And I just remember thinking, like, why didn't I think of this before? 
for. It was like always like carrying all my suffering and things so closely, you know, grasping it to keep it inside. So you could say that I learned how to love and to be loved through friendships. That's what sustained me since my dad has died. It's given me a blueprint specifically for conflicts and conflict resolution. I was always really afraid to upset people, to let people down, to have a fight. Because when that happened in my family, you wouldn't talk. There'd be like stonewalling. Nothing would ever get, you know, really like resolved or acknowledged. I always thought that if I got into a fight with someone that they would never want to talk to me again. (laughs) And I really, I always thought that if someone was upset with me, the whole world was upset with me. It would be real internalizing and catastrophizing. All of my friends have taught me so much within that regard of if there is a conflict that arises or if there's any other emotion besides happiness or positivity or whatnot, whatever society is feeding us is like the goal all the time. It's been such a beautiful lesson to realize that conflict isn't a bad thing and that it's really this beautiful opportunity to communicate and to exchange and to be vulnerable with each other and to understand each other better and practice all of those skills that ultimately you can feel closer and more bonded and more deeply connected to each other. And so I've had, I have one specific friend who's taught me that. And I have, I have multiple friends that are some of my best friends, sisters that we've had so many chapters in our friendships that some of them have been ones where we haven't been in each other's lives. I remember specifically one of my most cherished friendships right after my dad died. I went on a cross country road trip and she came with me and it was so intense. It was 50 days. She didn't expect it. I didn't expect it. We both didn't really have money for it. By the end of it, it was like, you know, I'm not proud of this, but I was like throwing her clothes out of my car in the middle of West Hollywood. And she ended up taking a flight back home and I drove home by myself without really thinking that I would. Yeah, that took a while to recover from that, but it doesn't mean that I didn't love her and that our friendship wasn't still active. I don't think that friendships die even if people go in different directions. And so I've been able to experience that with multiple friends where we've been in each other's lives and then we've kind of deviated and lived our lives and have eventually come back to each other, which I think is really beautiful. I think that's something that has been like a a privilege and a blessing to be able to witness and be part of that, the different ebbs and flows of people that come in and out of your life and regardless, always leaving this imprint on you that you carry with you. But I have to say, like, all of my favorite memories with people in general is just hours of deep conversation. And we're having tea and we're cozy. And yeah, like, those are always going to be my favorite memories. I know when I'm on my deathbed at the end of my life, those memories are going to come up for me because they just give me so much joy. And I mean, that's really the basis of my work, talking with people before every photo, there's a conversation, usually after and throughout, if it's a private or some some sort of campaign or series that I'm doing. I think for me, how I show people that I love them is listening and really creating a home for them. And it doesn't have to be literal, but I welcome everyone into my home. I think it's really important for me where my presence and 
my space to be trauma-informed and therapeutic. So when people walk into whatever space I'm in or even having an exchange with me, they can feel seen and felt and appreciated and loved. And I think just having that type of, I mean, it's a fine line because sometimes I do that too much and I lose myself, but I've always seen transformative, beautiful effects from that and it's reciprocal. You know, when I'm able to hold space for someone, they're able to hold space for me and we're giving each other this beautiful, liberating, empowering, refreshing conversation. (laughs) I was like thinking of what word. For me, I really love to write letters and write notes and things like that. So I'll randomly send that to my friends. I have lost this habit, but I hopefully will get back into it of, you know, sending letters like once a week. And I was actually thinking of that being maybe not once a week, but once a month, that being, I was actually thinking that being part of like a Patreon tier or something like that, getting letters from the Confetti Project postcards. I want to give people what my dad gave to me, you know, which was his time and his patience and his compassion and his unrelenting, never ending support. So I'm, I'm your, I'm your girl. I'm your cheerleader. I'm the person that's sitting on the front row always cheering people on, even if it's not directly. So this leads into the Confetti Project and the community behind the Confetti Project, which I think it's the most sublime community. And I've met some of the most extraordinary people through the Confetti Project. Some of them have become personal, permanent parts of my life. So I want to give a note of gratitude to you and say that you are amazing. There's no one like you. And thank you from the bottom of my heart for believing in me and supporting me. Whether that's coming to my studio, whether it's buying a confetti gram, whether it's sharing it with a friend, whether it's commenting on a post, every single thing means so much to me. And I'm very aware that that is what the Confetti Project is, that community. Thank you for letting me be part of your chosen internet family, hopefully in real life soon. And... I think the biggest mistake I made before the pandemic was thinking that I have to be like perfect before I share. That's something that is really challenging for me. And, you know, I know now that this was a trauma response from my childhood where I was always chasing perfection and valuing myself by doing and by what I accomplished. And so I'm realizing now, this time around, as I relaunch the Confetti Project, that we're building the Confetti Project together. And that I'm just the guide for it. I genuinely care about everyone that's part of, like literally trying to do this between the construction sounds. It's, and I'm almost done and it's, blah. but I just want you to know that I genuinely, genuinely care. The Confetti Project is part of my life's work and I'm actively building a world where you can experience, whether it's through a post, through content, through a product, through a photo session, a pop-up, a workshop that's immersive and transformative and gives you an opportunity to slow down and have an outlet to channel your aliveness and to express yourself in a space where you're celebrated. I'm very aware that this is not the world that we live in, per se, necessarily, but I want everyone to feel this way. However you feel when you engage with whatever I do or if you if you've actually been to a space you know these little mini spaces these worlds of the confetti project I want 
confetti to be used as a vehicle for play and celebration. And I want to help create this trauma-informed world that takes the stigma out of being human. And so this, to me, means that the Confetti Project is community care. And that's how I think that we can push the needle together. That's how I think that cultural consciousness can change around mental health and feelings and yeah, just being alive and being human. It's not easy. And yeah, I want to create a space where people can experience the freedom of that. I'm really, really stoked. I mean, part of me was like, should I announce that I'm doing a Patreon on this episode? And I don't know, but I guess I just put it out there. I do know that I'm coming out with the website next week (laughs) and newsletter and maybe Patreon, but just know that there will be many opportunities to get involved with the Confetti Project, even more so. It is even more community-centric than it was before. It'll always be here as a resource for you that can remind you of the beauty of being human, of being able to slow down, check in with yourself, and release whatever you're carrying, channel it into something that creates beauty and meaning from your experience. I want to thank you so much for this little mini episode. It was kind of a ramble. Again, it's not even 8.30 yet. (laughs) And, And I want to end it off with, I love you. Thank you. I appreciate you. And maybe... Maybe this can inspire you to reach out to someone that means a lot to you or a few people or maybe someone that meant a lot to you and you haven't talked in a while. I've, I've done that and it's always been really worthwhile. Thank you for season one, episode five and a half. <laughs> and stay tuned for next week's episode. Thanks for listening to the Confetti Project podcast. You can find all the resources and links from this episode in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the love through subscribing, rating, commenting, or even reaching out to me with any questions or comments. I love connecting with humans, but please be nice. (laughs) This show is dedicated to my dad, the first person I logged 10,000 hours of conversation with. It's also in honor of you and all of those before us and among us that live in the beauty of all of life's ebbs and flows. See you next time.